Hallelujah. <laughs> kind of. Amen. Looking forward to this message. You know, I was, uh, had prepared my message as, as normal around midweek and had sent it to, to Brother Howe for uh, the, the PowerPoint presentation and whatnot. And uh, then we went to a men's conference and found that part of the same passage of Scripture that I'm preaching this morning was being preached at the men's conference. And uh, so it provided that added confirmation that, uh, that God's got a message for His people today. And so I pray that you're going to take it as a, a word for you, uh, as a word for us, and uh, prayerfully we'll all grow and become uh, more useful in God's hands as a result of it. How many of you have ever watched that television program, Survivor? Anybody? Raise your hand, show me. All right, good. I was afraid there wouldn't be nobody. Survivor. Well, listen to this one. Maybe you remember back on January 28, 2001, the world watched as 16 people were stranded in the Australian outback. There they had to work together just to survive while eliminating each other one by one every three days. The lone survivor walked away with one million dollars. Now, whether you watch that program or not, Survivor has become somewhat of a phenomenon. There are some 50 million Americans that watch that television program, Survivor. On this particular Australian Outback version, Roger Bingham, 53 years old from Kentucky, was one of the contestants. And what was really cool about Roger is Roger was a Christian, and he was an elder in his church. Couldn't you see Brother Hal going to the Australian outback? I mean, competing for a million dollars, eating worms and climbing trees and hunting with a spear. I can see you do that, brother. I believe you. You're lying, but I can believe you. Amen? Well, Roger Bingham, he didn't win the million dollars. But because of his attitude, because of his Christian conduct, he became a winner to many of the viewers watching that program. He's definitely a survivor when it comes to living life well. How are you living? If I was preaching your funeral today, could I say honestly that you lived your life well? Or would I have to say, she just survived life. Didn't experience much victory. Are you just surviving? Or are you experiencing victory in life? You know, sometimes with all of life's problems, anybody got any problems going on right now? Woo! Right? With all of life's problems, sometimes we feel lucky just to survive at all. One airline company was experiencing way too many accidents. And it decided that it was going to eliminate human error by building a completely computerized airplane. During the very first flight, a voice came over the PA and it said, Ladies and gentlemen, it may interest you to know that you are traveling on the world's first completely automated and computerized airplane. Now just sit back and relax because nothing can go wrong. Go wrong. Go wrong. Go wrong. <laughs> 
Friends, if you didn't know it already, things can go wrong in our life. No matter who you are, whether you're a Christian or an unbeliever, things can go wrong in our lives. As a result, life sometimes becomes more of a battle for survival rather than winning or even living life well. Think about it. Marriages fall apart. Babies are born with illnesses we cannot explain. Children go wild. Anybody experience that problem? Amen. We lose jobs. Our cars break down. So do our bodies. Amen. People die and so on. So how can we navigate all the problems and pitfalls that we go through in life? Today, I pray that the Bible shows you like it showed me. Three different places from where we receive help to survive the problems of life. If you would, follow along with me in Galatians chapter 6. I don't know what page that is in your Bible. I didn't look this time. But it's somewhere around page 1,060 or so. Who said that? There you go. 1,037. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate that, Rita. Chapter 6, verse 1. Remember who Paul is writing to. Remember who the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to when he says these words. He's talking to church folks. He's talking to believers just like you. He's talking to the church at Galatia. And he says, brothers, if a man is overtaken in any trespass or sin, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in one another. For each one shall bear his own load. The first place that I see that we can receive help, that believers can receive help to survive the problems of life is help from within. Did you hear verse 5 there? For each one shall bear his own load. Now, the main idea of this section is bearing somebody else's burden. Helping somebody else carry their load. But Paul also says, listen carefully, there are some burdens, there are some problems, there are some loads that you've got to carry yourself. I can't carry them. Your husband or wife can't carry them. Your parents can't carry them. There are some burdens that you must carry yourself. I read about one man in Walmart who was pushing a shopping cart who contained, that contained a bunch of groceries but also contained one screaming, loud baby boy. And he's pushing down the aisle and he kept saying, Keep calm, George. Don't get excited, George. Don't yell, George. And this lady came over to him and, and spoke to him and with great admiration said, I am so proud of you for being patient with little baby George. And he said, Lady, I am George. <laughs> Isn't 
At times, raising kids can be a burden. Teaching kids can be a burden. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Kids can be a real burden. But listen, more often than not, it's a burden we must bear by ourselves. Our parents might help, but they can't do it for us. Our parents may give great advice. They may babysit on occasion. But listen, raising our children is a burden primarily we must bear ourselves. It's true in many areas of life. There are some areas or some ways that we can receive help from people. But there are just a lot of things that we have to do ourselves. Thomas Edison, one of the greatest inventors in American history. When he first attended school in Port Huron, Michigan, his teachers said, he's so slow. He's so slow. Yet during Edison's lifetime, he produced more than 1,300 inventions. And what he said was, Whatever genius I may have, whatever uh, energy I may have, is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. That means he had to work at it. He had to put forth a little bit of effort. He had to bear that burden himself. President Franklin D. Roosevelt, he paralyzed by polio at age 39. One of the most beloved and influential leaders in all of American history. Yet became one of the greatest presidents we had. There are just some times that we have to ignore the pain. There are some times that we have to ignore the discouragement. There are some times that we just got to heal from the hurt. Sometimes we just got to get over it. Amen. Sometimes we just got to get over the negative feelings and bear our own burden. In Psalm 139, David wrote this psalm speaking to God. And he said, God, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made friend listen to me real careful today you are an amazing creation of God every one of you an amazing creation of God and I think that sometimes we grossly underestimate our abilities we're made in the likeness of God we're made in the image of God we're made to where we can reflect the character of God but sometimes we grossly underestimate our own ability we are a whole lot stronger than we give ourselves credit for would you agree with that just go through a storm one time and realize you're stronger than you believe think about it you can do a whole lot more than you think you can you can endure much more than you think you can. See, there's just a, a lot of burdens that we can bear on our own. So we've received help from within. God has made us amazing, fearfully, wonderfully made. We receive help from within to survive the problems 
of this life. Now, there's a second place, and that is help from without. Not from within, but from without. Look in verse 2. Bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. Say that with me. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Years ago, Henry Ward Beecher was standing at the pulpit, and he got there, and there was a letter waiting on him. And that letter had one word on it. It said, fool, exclamation point. And he calmly read the letter to the congregation, and he said, I've heard of people writing a letter and forgetting to sign it, but I've never seen someone sign it and forget to write the letter. <laughs> fool. Did you know that some Christians can be more critical than caring? Hey, if Paul's talking to believers, I can too, right? Some Christians are just more critical than they are caring. Some Christians are really more of a hindrance than they are a help. But Christians should not be in the business of criticizing. We should be in the business of bearing one another's burdens, not creating more burdens for that person. Listen to verse 1 again. Brothers, he says, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. In other words, if you, you have a brother or sister in the church that's gotten caught in sin or caught up in sin or wrapped up in some kind of sin, you who are spiritual ought to restore them gently. Don't come down on them with this finger pointing business. We have to restore them gently. Every single one of us in here has made mistakes in our life. Every one of us is guilty of sin. We're all guilty. Sadly, it's part of our nature that we inherited from four daddy. You know who four daddy is, don't you? Adam. And your sin, friend, is no different than my big old pile of sin. We all got it. And we don't need to be pointing fingers about it. All of our sin is the same. It's all disobeying God. So let us be careful. I know that some sin seems more serious than others, but here's my point. We as fellow believers, we as fellow Christians, ought to, to when we make a mistake or when we see someone in sin, you don't go pointing your finger at them. You encourage them. How do you respond? How are you to feel? You criticize them? Boy, that'll be real helpful, won't it? You beat them down a little bit further? Man, they already know. They already know they're struggling with this sin. They already know they made a mistake. They don't need you to tell them. What they need you to do is strengthen them. They need you to build them up, to help them, to bear their burden. Some people just criticize and gossip about them. They don't cure the cancer. They just spread the disease. They make it worse. But I want you to hear this loud and clear this morning. God didn't put us here 
to criticize people. He put us here to love people. That's why you're here. That's why you're in this building today. It's to reflect the character of God, and God is love. We're here to love people, not criticize people. Every one of us is guilty. Every one of us have made mistakes. We're all guilty of sin, and not one of us, not one of us has the right to criticize, condemn, or judge somebody else. None of us. Listen to what James, the half-brother of Jesus, said. He said, do not speak evil of one another, brothers. Don't speak evil of one another. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law. You're a judge. He says there's one lawgiver. How many? There ain't but one lawgiver who's able to save and destroy. And listen to this rhetorical question. Who are you to judge another? Because your sin's different? You can judge another? I think not. We have no right. You see, when we judge and we criticize somebody else, you know what we're saying, really? You're saying, man, I'm better than you. Yep. Because my sin's different than yours, I'm better than you. What we're really saying is, uh, you know what? You got caught and I didn't. That makes me smarter than you. I know all the answers. You ain't got the answers. What you're really saying in effect when you're judging somebody else is, hey, look at me. I'm God. And you're not. Ain't none of us in here. God. None of us can judge. So let us consider who we are. Let us take a long, hard look in the mirror before we go judging somebody else. Take a long, hard look in the mirror before you judge the sins of other people. Because if it weren't for the grace of God, every one of us could be doing the same thing that they're doing. It's all by the grace of God. So instead of judging and criticizing people, instead of being in the judging and criticizing business, why don't we be in the blessing business? Amen? Why don't we get in the restoring business? The building business. The healing business. Why don't we get in the forgiving business? Why don't we get in the burden bearing business? And do some good. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. How do we do that, Bill? How can I bear your burden? How can you bear my burden? How can you help me survive the problems of life? Well, there's one thing in here, or there's one thing that everyone in here can do. And that is to do what Jesus told us to do. And he said in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. One way to bear a burden is to demonstrate mercy to somebody else. How do you do that? Well, you don't gossip about them for one thing. That's not showing mercy. You don't talk about them behind their back. That's not showing mercy. 
Instead, why don't you talk to God for them? Instead of talking about them, talk to God for them. And thereby demonstrate mercy. Say something like, brother, I know you are burdened right now. I know your load is heavy. I know you're having a tough time. But I want you to know this. I am praying for you every day. And I beg you to please let me know how I can pray for you. Doesn't that do a whole lot more than me criticizing you? Because you're going through a challenging time? That's a demonstration of mercy. And friends, I believe we need to do more of it. We need to do more of it. Demonstrating more and more mercy. Because people out there are hurting. People in here are hurting. And they need us to show mercy. They need us to show support. They need us to help. They need us to pray. Let us be demonstrators of mercy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul wrote to another church, another group of believers, and he said, We urge you, brethren, warn those who are lazy. But listen to this. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. Encourage them. Help them. By all means, be patient with them. Everybody grows at different rates. Would you agree? Man, it took me 17 years to get it. And I'm still growing. I'm still maturing. I got so far to go, it ain't funny. But I'm growing, and I'm thankful for people who were patient with me. Man, this life can be a struggle. I mean, I look out here amongst all of you, and I, I, can, I can tell you something that every single one of you is either going through or has gone through in the not-so-distant past. Some kind of problem, some kind of challenge, some kind of sickness. Every one of you. We all go through struggles, and sometimes it's just a struggle to survive. We need one another. We need to start helping one another. Man, I wish I could provide help for everybody, but I can't. We have to help one another. We all need to help one another. Galatians 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Everybody in your sphere of influence, be good to them all. Even the sinners, amen? Amen? Got sinners in your life? Anybody got sinners in their life? Anybody a sinner in their own life? Amen. We're all there. But then he goes on to say, especially to those who are in the family of believers. Wow. Let's help each other out. Let's help each other with the problems of life. Not just to survive, but to win. To be victorious. That's what we want. I want you to just look at somebody right beside you right now. Just look at somebody. Everybody look. You too, Hunter. Look at Shayla. Amen. Everybody look at somebody. You 
were born to love. You are a divinely created love machine. Now look at that same person and say, I ain't nothing but a love machine. Do it. <laughs> say it. I ain't nothing but a love machine. Amen. Divinely created love machines. That's what you are. A divinely created love machine. And listen, your machine functions most powerfully when you're giving love. When you're not giving love, you're not doing what you were designed to do. Love one another. Help one another. Honor one another. The world will have you to believe that it's all about what you can get. Even in church, people sometimes come to church and they say, what am I going to get? All right, Bill, bless me. All right, Hal, sing me a good song. It better be good. Come on, bless me. That's not what it's about. The truth is our well-being, our well-being is totally dependent upon giving love. Giving love. It's not about what comes back. It's about what goes out. And so we, as the family of believers, ought to major in dishing it out. We ought to be dishing love out to one another and to all people that you come into contact with. So we receive help from within. Some burdens you've got to bear by yourself. But prayer, praise God that we also receive help from without. From the family of believers. But there are some times when we've got to receive help from above. During the most difficult time of my life, one verse got me through it. Psalm 55, 22, the Bible says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. I didn't have a clue how I was going to get through it. No idea if I was even going to make it. All I was looking to do was just survive. And God taught me to cast that burden at his feet. And if I would do that, he would sustain me. I did and praise God, he did. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, all you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Peter wrote, Cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Hebrews 4, 16, the writer says, Let us approach then the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When I'm in survival mode, and that's all I want to do is just make it to the next breath, I can go to the throne of God's grace, bow down with confidence, and know that I will find mercy and I will find grace in my time of need. You see, there comes a time in every life. If you haven't gotten there yet, you will. Because there comes a time in every life when you must look up to the Lord for your help. The burden's too big for anything else. 
Oh, yeah. You have to help yourself some, but sometimes the burden's too big for you to help yourself. Sometimes another person's help might be really good, but if we're honest, it just ain't enough. And that's when you got to turn to the Lord and go to the throne of grace and ask the king for mercy. Ask the Lord for grace, for perseverance, for the ability to deal with your burden. Abraham Lincoln once said, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. Oh, honest Abe realized he couldn't carry his own load. Abe realized that nobody else could help him carry his load. And he had to go to God for help with his burden. You ever been there? If there's one person that knows how you feel, if there's one person who knows how you hurt, it's Jesus. He's experienced every emotion and every physical pain that you could ever experience. And he stands ready to help you get through yours. He longs to help you. He longs to give you grace right in the smack middle of your burden. Because it's in the midst of our heartaches. It's in the midst of our burdens that God says to you, Hey, son. Hey, daughter, I'm right here. All you have to do is come to me. All you have to do is ask for a little mercy. Just ask me for a little grace. I'll give it to you. Sometimes the only solution, the only escape, the only help, the only answer is going to the Lord. And looking to him for help, for mercy, and for grace. There was one Christian lady who said she was always blessed by the words in the Bible, and it came to pass. She said, I'd be in the middle of my troubles, upset, big time in my life, and I'd come to the Bible, and it wouldn't take very long. I'd come to this passage, and it came to pass. And I'd be reminded that my troubles didn't come to stay. They came to pass. Friend, our burdens in life, they don't come to stay. They will not stay. Yeah, they've come. But they will pass. How do you know, Bill? Look at you. Look at you. Still praising the Lord. Still worshiping God. Right smack in the middle of your burdens. So with the strength that God gives us, with the strength of other believers, but most importantly, with the Lord's help, you and I can get through our troubles. We can endure our burdens. And our fears can pass away. They may have come, but they ain't sticking around. One day they're going to pass. Today I want to challenge you that if you haven't given your life to the Lord, there's going to be a day when you're going to need Him. 
There's going to be a day when you're going to need him because you can't do it yourself and nobody can help you do it either. And you're going to need help from above. And I pray that you have a relationship with him so that you can lean on your Father in heaven for the help, mercy, and grace you're going to need during that time. Maybe you need a little bit of help today. Maybe you need an extra measure of grace today. I stand ready here to, to pray with you and we'll approach the throne of grace in our time of need right now. Whatever your need today, you just come during this song. Let's pray.